Hey everyone, welcome to the Lockdown Living Podcast, where every episode we take some time to look at the unique circumstances we find ourselves in and how we can best embrace the day, make the most of the moment and live for God in all we do. Welcome back everyone to Lockdown Living. This is episode two and today we're going to be talking about a topic which, let's be honest, many of us would probably prefer to avoid or maybe just find a little bit uncomfortable. And it's a a topic that has always been relevant to human beings, but I guess the last uh, couple of months have made it even more in the forefront of our minds, whether we like it or not. And so today, you may have already guessed it, we are going to be talking about death and dealing with death and grief and loss and bereavement. And uh, the whole coronavirus pandemic has, has really brought this to our TV screens, to our airwaves. It, you can't really avoid the conversation of how many people are, are dying around the world every day. But in many ways, death isn't a new topic. This isn't something that's just been happening over the past couple of months. In the UK, every year, around 500,000 people die. It's a very common thing. In fact, it's something that all of us will experience um, for a loved one and, of course, in our own lives at some point and there can be a tendency to want to uh, kind of ignore it or avoid it but in our lockdown living podcast we want to face these things head on um, so that we can both uh, process the emotions ourselves but also help others who might be in our church or in our workplaces or neighborhoods go through this process um, and so uh, today we are going to um, address all of these things whether it be the loss of a loved one or perhaps even just the loss of a way of life which all of us will be experiencing right now and I'm really pleased to say that um, I'm joined uh, today by Tony who leaves our Elton venue and many of you will know um, and also by Kathy who is a counsellor and life coach and has done a lot of work in this whole area of bereavement and loss and has helped me personally go through this whole process so welcome guys it's good to have you with us you doing okay yeah great thanks for asking us to be part of this john i'm really looking forward to it great Very subject good. yeah, yeah. So, yeah you doing all right kathy yeah i'm doing fine thanks yeah i'm i'm uh pleased that we're able to look at this subject which is so important and especially at this time Mm, definitely well let's jump straight in so um i remember actually when i was back in school i remember my history teacher saying to me he said um the interesting thing is that the victorians used to talk about death all the time but they would never talk about sex whereas in our culture they uh talk about sex all the time but never talk about death so a massive shift um since that Victorian era. And I've often wondered why is that? And Tony, I don't know, have you got any thoughts? Why do you think it is that we find death so uncomfortable to talk about? Well, I think we very much have sanitized the whole process of death, haven't we? You know, um, we don't talk about it much. We, even when we're involved in it, you know, someone has died, a family member or a friend or something, we, you never really see the body these days. Mm. Um, so it's all packaged away pretty comfortably. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't suffer and struggle and stuff like that, but we don't really want to talk about it. Even the language we use, you know, we don't say 
you know, get, I was going to say John, but you're called John, so I'm not going to say that, but, you know, a particular <laughs> name, yeah. they, you know, so-and-so's dead. Like, we're, we're more likely to say they passed or, mm. you know, those sort of... They've moved like, on or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, nicer phrases that just soften the blow a little. So I think we just got used to that, that we don't really want to talk about it and we don't see it. We, you know, you might see a glimpse of it in a television news item but we always finish the news with a couple of happy items that, you know, oh, that's better. I'm much happier mm. talking about, you know, the weather or the, or, or the football or something like that, you know, or a funny item. So it's just the way culture has gone. I mean, obviously, I'm not that old to know the Victorian times, but, you know, even in my lifetime, I've, it's not been something that we talk about with any sense of uh, freedom. So... And I think then you, you know, we can struggle with that because when we do want to talk about it, we don't really quite know how to go about it. Mm. So there's a few little observations. Mm. Yeah, no, I think you're so right. I've definitely noticed that in, in, in conversations I've tried to have with people around the whole area of death. It's definitely one of the most delicate and uncomfortable often topics. And I know, Kathy, obviously you're someone who spent probably many hours trying to uh, help people process death and loss and bereavement and obviously as we're saying this is kind of a unique season in which death is on our doorstep in a sense of it's in our news maybe more than ever and and um, I wonder if you have any particular observations about what's been going on the last couple of months and if just anything in particular to you is, is stood out. Yeah I think what's particularly challenging at the moment is that not only are we surrounded by stories, you know, very tragic stories of death and loss, um, you know, yes, many older people, but lots of younger people too, or certain categories being, you know, in higher uh, numbers uh, that we wouldn't normally hear about. But of course, we're also in a situation where we're not able to do the things that we normally do. We're not able to do things that would normally uh, and comfort us or, or support us, you know, whether that's going to the gym or going to the cinema or being with people that we, we care about. So on one side, we've got these tragic stories, which can feel very overwhelming and we can feel very helpless. We, we don't know what to do with it, as you said. Um, but also we're just stuck at home listening to it. We're not able mm. to go out and, and distract ourselves or do other things. So I think that's mm. very difficult for people. I suppose that's maybe what's particularly <laughs> cruel about this time is that normally if, for example, someone was to, um, to, to be on death's doorstep, you could maybe be at their bedside, whereas now a lot of people dying alone. Or if you were to lose a family member or just you're suffering just the loss of, of your way of life, you would say, oh, OK, well, here's what you should do. Make sure you're around people and make sure you do this and do that. And as you're saying, one of the cruelest things is the things we would normally use to comfort ourselves and to comfort others, we're not able to do now. Um, and so as someone, you know, yourself, Kathy, who's helped lots of people through loss and grief, what are some of the tools that you would suggest to people in our current circumstances, what is available to us, you would suggest to people to help them with dealing with loss? Yeah, well, first of all, I think to anyone who's listening who has lost somebody, I do want to say I'm sorry that, you know, that you've um, suffered in this way, particularly at this time. And I think it's really important to look after ourselves uh, and to find ways that we can be kind to ourselves. And I think often we can feel a pressure to get better quickly or to move on or to, um, uh, you know, not, not to, to be hard on ourselves in that way. And I think 
Um, so being kind to ourselves and, and doing things that we are able to do, whether, whether that is um, t- you know, taking up a new hobby or, or doing something that um, helps us to feel better. Mm. important to do and Mm. to reach out to people who can reach out though we can't see people physically you know we can uh, and it's not as good I don't think but it it can still be very helpful whether it's on the phone uh, speaking to people on the phone or or online and uh, in reaching out to those we can Mm. I think that's why it's important that those of us who are aware of people uh, you know her suffering that we do reach out to them you know where where it might not be someone you would normally turn to Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the positive things I think is that communities are rallying together and and so there is opportunity perhaps to reach out to somebody you wouldn't normally mm. so it's the value of community even though like you say I think everyone would admit that video calls and messaging is not as good as being able to you know sit with someone and put your arm around them mm-hmm. it's better than nothing and I and maybe like you say it's that intentionality of more than ever because maybe whereas normally you might be in church next to someone who's crying you mm-hmm. see that during maybe the worship time you're like oh what what's going on and you're like oh I didn't realize we can't see that so easily now mm-hmm. so I think that's a great point we need to be more alert to what could be happening and because people might be suffering in silence as it were and so it's just having those kind of intentional moments of reaching out to people using technology as limited as it is um, to, to help people and Tony I know I know for you obviously many people know you and your story but a lot of people won't know your story and you've been through this journey and and uh, of, of losing someone you love and, and trying to process it all. So I don't know if you could just tell us a bit about that story and then off the back of it, just anything that sort of surprised you about <clears throat> how that experience and just anything you, you'd like to share. Sure. Yeah. So um, obviously the thousands who are listening to this, some of you, <laughs> <laughs> most of you will know me. Anyway, my, my journey is, um, I was married and uh, 15 years ago, my wife died of cancer. I'm si- I've since remarried uh, to Jenny, but my wife, her name is Sally, she died of cancer. So, And she was 42 when she died. So it was a, a challenging time with four kids. Um, so there's lots of challenges going on there. But the journey, you know, was was the highs and lows, you know, extremes, mm. extremes of emotions. And, and so... I I think what I would say, looking back, you know, I could go through lots of little details and lots of stories, but I won't do that. But what I feel for me, it was a defining moment for mm. me personally, you know, in God. So, you know, I, I I spoke to lots of people. The church were brilliant, you know, lots of different people supporting me. That's, you know, God places us in families. The mm. church is his plan, plan A, you know. Yeah. And, and when you, you know, when you suffer, you need people. And, you know, the Bible says when those who weep, weep with them, you know, and rejoice with those who rejoice. And yeah. there's a tension in that. But I knew that, you know, I knew those who you, you got nothing left in you and people come alongside practically and pray for you and stand with you and just listen to your, your whining and moaning. <laughs> and, and so the church, brilliant. And, but for me, like, going through it was it was a defining moment for me in my relationship with God. Um, I came to that point, I thought, 
um, you know, you can live, you, f- you can feel like even when you're in your 40s, you can feel like you're going to live forever. Mm. And I probably was a bit like that, you know, it's a long way off, you know, the end in that sense. And you hear a good sermon on it and you go, oh, yeah, I'm living for heaven. And then you get back to your normal stuff and live for today and stuff like that. But it was a defining moment. I thought, wow, I, I, I want to take God seriously in this. And and I'm not saying that right from day one, every, I suddenly, you know, was praying two hours a day, every day, reading the <laughs> Bible. I made lots of decisions that w- didn't make sense and stuff like that in the monk still. But deep down, I knew that I'd met with God in a way that I'd never met with him before. And I say that looking back rather than in the moment of it. And so I just feel like that there was that God just gave me that, although I lost someone dear to me who I loved, I've got more of God hmm. and, and that has stood me in good stead in all the years since really, if I'm honest, like they, hmm. you know, that's, it's not like I cling on to an experience of um, 15 years ago, but, I, but he did a work in my heart that was deep and, 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 you know, long standing. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like a quick fix. It was like, and I'm, and I just thought I'm going for God in this. Hmm. I've got a choice here. I can either, you know, do things my own way and be get a bit bit bitter if you like or a bit disappointed or a bit cynical or I'm gonna choose to go God's way and, and lean into him. And with the family of God making them you know making all the difference as well, that's what I chose to do. You know, and in, in the midst of it, you know, on a practical level, you realise people say some funny things to you. Yeah. People don't know what to say. Um and you know you just accept that because I'll, I'll be the same, you know, or often would have been this, exactly the same. So mm. it's not a criticism. It's just the way it is, you know, and, and you, and even there were times afterwards I'd moved on in some ways. And there were some people, as soon as they saw me, they were back to that moment and they would like, they would be pouring out this grief. And I'm like, I've moved on a bit, here, you know, mm. in that moment. And, and that could bring guilt. You know, you think, mm. oh, maybe You felt like you're it. supposed to feel bad because they yeah, still yeah. feel bad and you feel guilty yeah. for feeling bad to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just a very quick, funny, I, I find it funny now, but at the time <laughs> I was racked with guilt, you know, like there was these church people around me like in the nine months before she died, let's pray, you know. And, and, and of course, we're looking to God to do a miracle in that situation. And they prayed, they said, right, every, I think it was like a Monday, every Monday we're praying and fasting. And at that time I was a cab driver and I liked my foods, right? And, <laughs> and, and they're all fasted. I did pray, right? But I, but I thought, I've got to have that burger. You know? <laughs> I know that's, I can laugh about it now. But, and then you get to the evening when we're gathering to pray and I'll be thinking, oh, I shouldn't have had that burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all talking about how hungry they are and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah me too, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I felt bad. I felt guilty at times. But, you know, and, but I also worked out, I thought, actually, I need, I've got to sustain myself, you know, and it's mm. not, I, I didn't, I shouldn't feel guilty about that. You know, it's a good thing to call people to pray and to fast and stuff like that, but. Anyway, it's just a small little lighter moment. Mm. I think that really illust- sorry, I think that really illustrates something important that it is a very individual journey, and we all respond to grief differently. Um, and you were looking after yourself, and I think you know that was you know that you were good to do that, and we can feel we ought to do what other people think we ought to do. Mm. And actually, it's about giving ourselves permission to do what we feel is right to grieve 
in our own way. Mm. Um, and I think also, um, I think it's great that you were able to really meet God in that place. But I think for some people, when they pray for someone and then they die, you know, that can be hugely challenging. Mm. Uh, and I know I went through this time uh, quite a few I was going to say it might be a similar sort of time, but quite, you know, about 10, 10, 12 years ago where um, it wasn't, well, my father did die at the same time, but it was, an, it was another loss, actually another major loss where I really struggled with God. And I, mm. I had a real, why God has this happened mm. moment, which I think many people could feel, well, why did, you know, my loved one die in this time when somebody else's loved one survived. And I think it can bring up lots of really difficult questions. And I think, it's easy to rush in and, and to say things that aren't very helpful um, and to say, you know, platitudes or to say things. And, and that's why I think we do need to be a little bit careful because everyone's, mm -hmm. everyone's experience is very different. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not always straightforward. Sometimes it's a bit more complicated. Mm. Yeah. I guess that's why it's good for, for the three of us all to share our own experiences. Cause as you say, Kathy, all of us will, experience um uh, grief and bereavement in a different way and probably part of that is to do with some of it maybe is our personalities maybe um that plays a role but i think some of it is the um the the nature of sometimes how it happened even for example i know um and again any sort of comparison anyone listening into this might be like oh well you say that's an easier bereavement than this one and obviously comparison itself is really unhelpful mm -hmm. um and, and I know for me, like when, so my story, um, some will know, some won't, is a few years ago, um, I got a, a phone call one day to say that my mate, 21-year-old guy, um, had been uh, in a car crash and, and died in, um, yeah, he'd been like a little brother in, in many ways growing up in, um, yeah, he was 21, um, had a nine-month-old kid, um, and yeah, tragic. And then... Um, three months later as I was still struggling with that grief and, and I'd, I'd come to you, Kathy, and we'd been talking through some of this. Um, I, I got a call to say that one of my best friends um, had uh, been going out for a run, had no prior health conditions and had just collapsed and died. And um, yeah, it was, it yeah, broke me. It was really, really um, painful, really hard. And it was interesting kind of processing that versus, and then people say to, oh, I get what you're going through. Like, you know, my 97 year old granddad died peacefully in his sleep last week. And so I completely understand what that feels like. And I'm, it's difficult because I, I, as Tony said, you have to be gracious. I think you have to fight the bitterness of people will inevitably say things that aren't helpful. Um, but that can add to the pain a bit when people say, Oh, I understand. And you're like, your loss is not, that doesn't like, I never got to say goodbye. Like you sat at your granddad's bedside and stroked his hand and whatever. And, and so I guess it's, we have to be careful not to compare and, and everyone will experience it in different ways. And Kathy, I know one thing you said to me that was really helpful when you were counseling me was we can have this idea of grief is like this um, linear process of like you hear about the stages of grief don't you like this happens then this happens then this happens then this happens and 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 one of the things you said to me that was really helpful was it's not just this linear process and I don't know if you want to expand a bit more on that because that was something I found really helpful myself yeah, I think for many people, it doesn't feel like a linear process. And I think uh, a way of looking at it that has helped me and has helped other people uh, is thinking more about zigzagging between, if you think of perhaps two ovals, where one would be 
not too bad today, having quite a good day, maybe mm. able to distract myself and another oval that's actually I'm feeling really rubbish. I don't want to get out of bed. I'm feeling really overwhelmed with sadness and zigzagging between those two, sometimes even in the same day, some times in the day can be harder than others, mm. uh, but certainly over different days, one day might be easier than others. And that is much more fits, you know, with most people's experience that it isn't this one day I felt terrible and then gradually I felt better. And although there is a, a gradual process, like Tony was saying, you get to the place where you're, you know, able to you know, perhaps feel sad about it, but you're able to feel, yes, I've been able to process it. I'm in a place of acceptance and peace about it, even while I might still feel sad about it. But I think it, it, isn't, a, it isn't a linear journey. And I think there mm. could be certain triggers, you know, whether it's hearing about other losses, maybe somebody else has died, or whether it's anniversaries or special occasions when that person would have been there. Um, you know, those milestones, so your friend's mm. son, you know, he, he's not going to be there for the milestones yeah. uh, growing up. And so every time you hit those milestones, then you can feel very sad again and feel like you're going backwards. But actually, mm. it's, it's not like that. It's this more zigzag way. And I think even as a Christian, sometimes I... I almost felt guilty of like, oh, well, you know, I should know the peace of the Lord. Like, you know, I, I'm, I almost felt guilty for, because you're right, there can be those trigger moments. I remember just randomly walking down Sidcup High Street and I don't know why it was, but I think I heard a song playing through the pound shop or something like that, that reminded me of my friend Claire. And I was like, she, you know, she's been dead for over a year and here's me feeling really sad about it. But I haven't felt sad for a few months now. And I'm like, what? This is so weird. And I guess that's, as you were saying, Kathy, we need to be kind to ourselves and not beat ourselves up if, if we do start to feel sad or be surprised if we start to feel sad when we've maybe felt over it for a while. And equally, as Tony said, if we've got to a place where we feel peace, we don't need to, to feel like we need to kind of play the, the grieving widow or widow or whatever it is, the grieving person, longer than we have to just so everyone else thinks. Because oh. I think that's part of the problem is people think, well, if you if you really love them, why have you moved on like you have? You should still be sad two years on and, mm. and not wanting to feel that way. Um, so we've, talk, we've talked a bit about kind of how we need to be gracious to people when they say the wrong things. But equally, as, as you know, brothers and sisters in our church, we want to support each other well and not just say, well, it doesn't really matter what I say. We do want to support each other well. So Tony, for you, like when you were going through through your kind of grieving process, what were some of the most helpful things that people said and did to support you through that? The most helpful often was just availability, mm. you know, um, <clears throat> and listening and not saying I understand. <laughs> you know, yeah. even, if they do, even if they have experienced exactly the same thing, it's not even necessarily that helpful no. to hear that. So it's, it is just... I would say that offering that love and kindness and they accept you for the journey you're in, the stage you're at, you know, and stuff like that. So I didn't have too many. Mm. I, I mean, I had one or two confrontational moments. <laughs> and, I, um, and, I, and, and we had the, you know, I had the confidence to say what I felt and you get, but then you learn in that, you know, we're growing as brothers and sisters. So, I, I think it is availability, people willing to listen and just then go, can I pray for you? You know, because no one can, they can't take away the, that pain if you're feeling it at that point, can they? Mm. But 
you know, and and if you've been a Christian five minutes or fifty years, you you probably are aware that the Holy Spirit is the Comforter, and so and you might not even feel it in that moment. You know, someone's praying for you, you're struggling, it's all going on, it's all going wrong, your head's in a bad place or whatever, and they're praying for the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and you don't necessarily have this amazing, yeah. uplifting moment, but that is still a truth that someone's praying over you and you know, you're dwelling on some truth rather than some, some other thoughts, you know, that might, that's going to help you. So, so I just, my feeling is be available for people. Listen, listen well, mm. you know, don't, don't try and give the right, what you perceive to be the right answers. And, and, you know, by and large, I would say people were like that with me, mm. you know, different people. I've, uh, there were some people who said some very honest words to me, and I, and and I thought, you know, that's helped me. They under, you know, they they said, have you even before that? Like the, in fact, two weeks before, have you talked about this and this? Have you, you know, the the the, the funeral and how are you going to tell the kids and those mm. sort of things? And I was grateful for people to take on that level of responsibility of care of me, yeah. and. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think is you know I certainly wouldn't want to write a chapter in a book on it. I, <laughs> I just think, I just think like be available, be as kind as you can, and and practical support. I mean, just a very funny, quick story. <laughs> um, so the church is brilliant. At, you know, we know this. If you're in a if you're in a half decent church, you know when you're going through some stuff. If you've just had kids, a child, or you know you're going through some stuff, the church rally around and say we'll put on a meal rotor mm. and. Uh, they did that for me and I was rubbish at cooking. And so <laughs> I like how you say you were terrible. rubbish at cooking, like you're good now, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I, I improved a bit. Anyway. That's, that's another whole new podcast right there. But, um, anyway, the meals were coming around. It was brilliant. And, you know, obviously some are better than others, but the quality was better than what I could have done. And then one night it got to 6 p.m. And I said to the four boys, I said, it's not looking good tonight. I'm not sure. <laughs> Nothing, nothing's coming around. I said, I'll go to the fish and chip shop. I race to the fish and chip shop. We're just tucking into the fish and chip shop. The doorbell rings and here's the dinner. <laughs> and the wow. person, they come around with a dinner. I went, oh, oh, thank you very much. Wouldn't let him in the house. <laughs> 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 fish and chips. <laughs> so you can have some fun moments in it. I mean, mm. the kids still laugh about it 15 years on. So, but the church is great, you know, yeah. like, and that's the biggest thing for me, the love and support. Mm, definitely. I think the um, it links in a bit to your earlier point about um, how even in a really difficult time, you can experience something really just incredible that you, you can only really know when you're in that valley place. And as you were sharing that, it reminded me a bit of the, the bit in the Beatitudes where Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn because they'll be comforted. And I don't know about you guys, but for me going through grief, there was something about the... I learned, I learned something about the kind of just the sweetness of God in a way in which I never had before. And don't get me wrong, I struggled a lot with doubt and why God and all that. I'm, I'm not denying that. Anyone who knows my story now, I wrestled with doubt a lot. But there was something about knowing the, the Holy Spirit as the comforter in a fresh way, which you can't really know until you're in that dark place. And then I think there's something about knowing about the, the family of God when you're going through that horrible time. Like you say, with people turning up at the door until you've been through that and you see just how good the family of God are. There's, it's quite, yeah, it's true. Jesus is right. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. And there's, it's a horrible process going through mourning and grief, but um, there is a, there is, 
a, a unique gift, I think, that is right to embrace. And, and as you said, Tony, I think you can grow in your relationship with God like never before. Yes, it can come with, I, as I say, I struggled a lot with why have you allowed this God? But that process has given a richness to my faith that I think I wouldn't have had had I not gone through that process. Um, yeah, Kathy, I don't know if you, I know obviously you, you, you were so helpful to me as I, as I sought counseling. And I, and I would say anyone who's going through something to seek out counseling in professionals, because I do think that can really help um, the processing of things. And is there anything you'd say to those, especially in churches in our church of, of anything to add to what Tony said of ways we can support those who are going through loss? Yeah, I think what Tony said is, is, you know, is great. I think so relevant. Um, just sitting with people and listening, I think is one of the most important things and practical help, particularly if you've got, like he had young children, family, paperwork can feel overwhelming hmm. you know perhaps for a widow whose husband did all the paperwork and now suddenly she's got to do all this complex stuff and it can be very distressing you get letters addressed to your partner who's died hmm. uh, all sorts of crazy things you can't access because you don't have the password and all sorts of things so they, they can be very difficult so walking alongside people just being with them through those time and helping them to get the help they need, whether that is bereavement support or whether it's practical support or, um, you know, financial advice and so on. And I think it's, as Tony said, being available for the support that they want and asking them, how can I help you rather than assuming that we know what they need or how they're feeling. And I think, as we said before, it's a very individual journey. Each situation is different and we don't know exactly what people are feeling or how they're feeling at the time and so um w- walking with them and, and allowing them to feel you know quite strong emotions and and mm-hmm. you know they are very likely to feel guilty and it could be tempted to reassure them and say oh you don't need to feel guilty you couldn't help it you weren't there but that's not always helpful to reassure people and doesn't always take it away but i think recognizing that even if you feel guilty that you know god still forgives us and it's about giving ourselves permission to forgive ourselves for the things we weren't able to do. Mm. Um, And also people may be very angry. They may be very angry with God and it's allowing people to feel those feelings of anger and giving them permission, not that we're letting them say, Oh, you can go around and trash the place, but just being honest about how they're feeling and, and also how long it might take, you know, sometimes it can be um, very different. Some people might be able to move on more quickly and, and some people it might take longer and, and I think it's not making a judgment on how long it takes mm. uh, and what that looks like, uh, you know, when there are decisions to be made. So mm. it sounds like what maybe a way of summarizing what we're saying is what's best for people is availability, not answers. It's kind of, mm. I, I suppose we can have this tendency and it's not just in this area of pastoral life in any area to, to feel like we need to fix it. We need to be mm. the one to come in and provide that, that kind of that one verse or that one thing or, or whatever it is, just give them that one book and then they'll be fine. It's, and, and those things aren't bad. And obviously we want to grow in our training. I mean, Kathy, you spent hundreds of hours training and how to help people through this, but there's an element of, actually we we there's there's so much power in just being present with someone and sometimes it's better to just shut up and listen rather than try and think of like okay like help me to just come up with if i just tell them that one psalm and 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 yeah we just being and that takes the pressure off us and ultimately 
God is the wonderful counselor, isn't he? And that's the peace we have as Christians that we're not having to think, oh, I have to, to know exactly. I've had to have done a master's in, in, in grief to be able to help someone going through it. It's that, it's that simple thing of God is with me. I'm going in, I'm loving that person. And I might just spend a lot of time listening to them and having that patience. It might take longer. And I might be like, why are you still struggling six months on? But um, just, yeah, just showing that love. I know, Kathy, for me, one thing I, I'm so grateful that you did was even months and months after my friends had died, you would just say to me, how are you doing with things? And um, yeah, sometimes I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm fine. And I didn't feel guilty for saying that. Another time I was like, yeah, it feels weird. The last couple of months have been hard. And you'd be like, oh, okay, like any idea why? Like you just asked me questions mm-hmm. and you, you weren't like, well, actually, um, Professor so-and-so would say that by the eighth month, the percentile of blood, like it wasn't some academic thing. You were just kind. And mm-hmm. I think that can make a massive difference um now obviously the three of us were christians this is a new community church podcast and and a lot of these principles apply to, to you know anyone whether you're someone of faith or not but i do think there is something as we've kind of hinted at a few times about being someone who's grieving who is a child of god who's part of the family of god and i just want to read 1 thessalonians 4 13 it says this brothers and sisters we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. And so 1 Thessalonians 4 is basically, you know, it's hinting at as, as Christians, death and the way we process people who've died doesn't look like everyone else around us and so um, as those of us who've been through it or tried to help others why is it and how do we kind of live in a way in which we know this life isn't all there is Tony I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that like even in your own life you've helped so many people how is kind of that view of eternity such a, a kind of deal breaker in how we process these things well it does just change everything doesn't it it doesn't take away the pain Mm -hmm. you know you still go through the pain jesus wept you know his friend lazarus Mm -hmm. died and he wept so it's not saying you're a christian it's you don't need to it takes away the sting of death and but there is this certainty that rises up within you you know and and loads of people have helped people to, to in through death you know towards that journey and stuff and 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 it isn't a privilege you will look on sometimes at people People, I've done this a few times, you know, people are, you know, they've got cancer or something like that and you watch them in the last months and weeks and there's a joy that comes mm. up despite all the pain, all the struggle, you know, there, and there's lots of struggles in that. But there's that certainty, that certain hope that we're going to somewhere better. You know, like C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, this life is like making mud pies in a drain compared to, building sandcastles on the best beach in the world. And Mm. sometimes we're a bit too invested in the mud pies. And it's like, but then when you, but you realize actually it's something so much better, no pain, no sadness, no tears, a new body, you know, perfect boy in the presence of God. No wonder we're, we, we are, that's the sting of death is, is not as, as powerful. You know, you get, of course, you know, we started this podcast, John, with, why do we not talk about death? Well, if I weren't a Christian, I wouldn't want to talk about it. I'd want to live for now and get the most out of it and like worry about that next year, any yeah. time, whatever it might be. But we are living for something bigger and better. And 
yeah, there's pain in that. There's pain in it, of course, and it changes you. You know, for some people who've lost loved ones, it, it might change you forever in some senses. Mm-hmm. But there's this fixation on this certain hope that we have. So it does change everything. Verses you read out, John. There's others you could have read out. Mm. Um, and you just when you watch people go through it, go, I know where I'm going. You know, like it, you can you can well up. You can think of different people who you've got to know and walk that journey with them. And go, that changes it all. It, it's brilliant. It yeah. is brilliant. Like you know, Paul talked about to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we, you know, if, if you've been a Christian for five minutes, you've heard it ten times. There is something so deep and fundamental about that that we, if we're not living like that, we want to live like that because mm. that is our eternal destination. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. I enjoy mm. this life. I love this life. But but I'm I genuinely am looking. And I talk about death a lot. I quite like the subject. Um, <laughs> probably a bit too flippant at times. But I I genuinely look forward to eternity with God. I I just do. Mm. It's, it'd be sad for people who I leave behind. Mm, yeah you'll be missed tony i think yeah that first that first you well maybe not by everyone but by a lot of people um um, i think your internet might be having a slow death as well it's a little bit a little bit cutting in and out there but we could hear everything you said um i think your your point about to live is christ to die is gain uh, for me a, a good kind of litmus test of am i really fixing my eyes on eternity is can i say that verse you just said with honesty like do i actually genuinely think like to die would be gain. Do I want to be with Jesus? Like, obviously, you know, I love my family here, but there's this kind of desire of, oh, I just long to see him face to face and to be in that place of no pain and suffering and, uh, and be there for eternity. And um, yeah, I think that's a good question for us as Christians. Do we live like that's true? Like, do we live in light of eternity? Do we long to be with Jesus? And um, I think, yeah, that, as you say, that doesn't take away from the pain of, of when someone dies, but there's, there is something about living like it says in Psalms, doesn't it? This life is but a breath. And I suppose life now, maybe one of the best things that coronavirus has done for us is to remind us that death is a reality. Like we've got, we're so wealthy, especially in the West. We, we can trick ourselves into thinking we can live forever. I mean, even now, like, you know, if someone dies in their seventies, we say, wow, they went before their time. And, and, and there's this thing of, um, we, we're invincible. We have full control and we get shocked. We're like, how can the doctors not already have a vaccine? vaccine or why a whole nation is shut down in the space of two months over for over a little cell called COVID-19 or I mean anyone who's medical will say well you, you've used the wrong terminology you, you know what I mean though um, and so I guess maybe one of the best things this will do for us is to remind us that death is a reality but we don't need to fear it because we know the one who's conquered death and we can have a, a hope and a confidence in him. Um, Kathy, anything you'd like to, to add on that front? Yeah I think it's I think it's a good time to face our own mortality, to reflect on the times, and it's it's an opportunity to reflect on how how we want to live going forward. And I think it, it is it, it you know for for some people they're more busy, but for many people they have more time, and it can be a time when you can reflect on on your life and where it's going. And and as Tony said, you know. Um, that was a very defining moment when his wife died. And this is going to be a defining moment in many people's lives. And so it is an opportunity to reflect on whether it's a small thing or whether it's a big thing. Um, You know, there are changes that we might want to make. And and so that when we look back, we can say, yes, 
it was a really difficult time. It was a really challenging time. But because of that time, I'm now living in a different way or prioritizing um, you know, things in a different way. I think for many people, things that they valued, perhaps, you know, their job or success or, mm. or um, houses or, or whatever, you know, now we're beginning to see what, what, what are the things we're really missing or we're missing being with people. Yeah. We're missing being with our our friends and family, and uh, and so it can, I think it's a, it's a, it is a good opportunity just to reevaluate our lives and 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 think well, you know, if I if I am to die, whether it's in a few weeks or a few months or thirty or forty years, you know, when I look back and think how did how did I live my life, then it, you know, it's an opportunity just to to think about that and reflect upon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and as a church, we want to, to go through this process together. I mean, the nice thing about this podcast is there's three of us having the conversation and, and, and I, I know the tendency for many of us can be in crisis or in grief is to kind of go in on ourselves and be reclusive. But I think the, one of the most important things is that we run to God and we run to other people and we do this together. And, and as a church, <clears throat> as you said earlier, Kathy, we want to be intentional about looking out for those who are grieving. And it might not just be that they've lost. So maybe it's just, I know even for people at the moment who are having to cancel weddings or are losing their jobs and um, or maybe looking at losing houses and things like that. And it's more important than ever that as a church, we're not just looking at me and mine in my life that we have that outward approach that we're looking to help one another and to support one another um, and that we don't waste this season in our relationship with God either that we're, we're looking okay God what are you trying to say to me through all of this um, and Kathy you've, you've really helpfully um, written out some resources which we're going to share in the description in the show notes uh, to this podcast and so if you're thinking ah, oh, you know I'd like to go a bit deeper into to uh, counseling or processing this or finding support there's some great resources on there that you can explore that are made for people in your situation and maybe it would be helpful uh, for those who really want to grow and how they can support others through this but we've um, come to the end of our conversation and I uh, man I enjoyed that so much I love to have said said more you, you guys have so much wisdom on this and um, it was it's great I think that the cool thing is that we can talk about even such painful things in hope-filled ways and it doesn't undermine the pain of it but um, we do grieve in a different way to those who who don't know the hope that we have and so yeah, it's, it's been honest, but it's been hopeful. I really appreciate your openness about your own experiences. So thanks for joining, guys. Really appreciate it. Great to be here. And uh, yeah, for those who uh, haven't heard the first episode, do check that out. If you have any questions or comments, please do leave them in the comment section. And uh, God bless you. Have a great week. Great week. Wow, that ended well. Great week. Oh, I, was, I was doing so well up until that point. Oh, well, hey, this real life, isn't it? Have a great week. God bless you. And we'll see you soon.